At the best of times, healthcare can prove challenging to deliver. While demand continues to steadily increase, resourcing may not be able to move at the same pace. And that is where clinical innovation comes in. Looking at things from a different angle, investing in new technology, or supporting the workforce to work at their fullest scope, these projects are the heart and soul of the theme, Solving the Puzzle. Hello everyone, I am acutely aware I'm the last session before afternoon tea, so I'll try to finish early so we can all go out and have a cup of coffee. So what is the COVAX set program? First of all, it's a program delivered um, by Metro North Health and sponsored by Queensland Health. It's the um, COVID-19 vaccine safety and efficacy trial. What it really is, it's a real-world community-based, real-time research program. And underneath there, there are three, currently, three studies approved by the Human Research Ethics Committee, and it's always expanding. What it really does is it looks at the um, intrinsic and extrinsic factors that influence our immune response to our COVID-19 vaccines and any future health outcomes in Queensland. So, for example, it looks at the efficacy in terms of early induction of adequate immune response, look at the sustainability of our immune biomarkers sustained over time post-vaccination, and also looks at the variability whether different vaccines, comorbidities, uh, medication affect our immune response to these vaccines as well. And that's really the kind of high-level program in a snapshot. Now, very importantly, there are some secondary objectives here. It established a statewide network, digitally integrated biobank and linked data repository. It's a mouthful, but I'll walk you through that. So it provides a core statewide research infrastructure to underpin related secondary and additional translational research in Queensland, <coughs> enables further access to data and samples for ethics approved um, COVID-19 related research according to informed individual consent, and that's really important. It operates under the FAIR principles, and I'm sure a lot of you here know what they are, but basically findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable data. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. So overall, it delivers the three core pillars for the Queensland Precision Health Agenda. Does anyone know what it is? No? Genomics, biobank, and a digitally integrated infrastructure. So I talked about there are different um, COVID-19 um, vaccine protocol studies underneath that. So depending on where you are in your COVID-19 vaccination journey, I hope all of you are um, already getting your booster, but it doesn't really matter where you are, whether you're not vaccinated, fully vaccinated, or getting your booster shot, you can actually come on to one of our programs. Um, and, and you also have a statewide study for people who have had two or more doses as well. There is a QR code here, so if anyone wants to use that, and it's also on the Queensland Health website as well, so if you type in COVID-19 um, or COVAX study, you will see a lot more information about this particular study and how you become a part of it. But what I really want to talk to you about, it's about the core backbone of the program. It's really the digital research infrastructure that underlies it and how that's really important for our precision health agenda and research going forward. So this really is the high-level data repository system diagram, and it all looks very fancy, but what it shows is that our data repository in the middle, it links with different um, data applications so that 
as a person, you can actually see the holistic patient journey through that. So um, let me provide an example for myself. Um, it would show that my vaccination status through QCVMS, so what vaccination have I got, how many vaccinations I've had. Um, if I had um, COVID, for example, and got admitted through IEML, it can show my health service utilisation um, history and, and what kind of um, history do I have in there for my um, in-hospital stay. And also, it also links through OSLAB, so our pathology results, and also consent tools, so your demographics information, your consent information. So it's all linked and integrated um, for the individual patient. Um, for the information flow diagram, what this shows is that it collects data from the public domain. So, you know, your um, information consent, demographics that I've talked about before. It, within the Queensland Health Network, it links the data in our data repository that I just showed you in the previous slide. And it really goes back out in terms of the public dissemination, in terms of reporting, insights in, in aggregated data forms. So research reports, reporting analysis, etc. More importantly, it also has a research user interface. So researcher could use these insights and data for any approved research as well. So I, I really like this diagram because it really shows how we collect the information from the public and really provide that data back out into the, into the public domain operating under the FAIR principle. There are different layers of data connections here, but what I really want to kind of highlight is that it's got that data amalgamation and linkage layer that I've talked a little bit before um, in the previous two slides. It's got the data presentation layer, so your reporting insights layer um, provided to different people. So we have um, reporting for our daily reporting or clinical reporting as well. And all that it's, has a data governance layer, so depending on what kind of data reporting we're providing, it's always appropriate to the data custodianship and policies that we have. So this is a, an action shot of one of our collection at Cairns Vaccination Hub. So I'm not sure if anyone of you are from Cairns and you might have seen it before. We also have a vaccination collection hub um, at Brisbane Convention Centre. I think it's over that way as well. It's all very interesting, but how does it exactly benefit regional communities? So when you think about it, what we're doing is that we are linking different data in a data repository. So when I present to a health service, I have a holistic longitudinal map of um, my history in terms of health service used. So it enhances our system capability to deliver personalised early diagnosis, intervention and treatment because all that information is actually linked in, in one view. It also has the potential to optimise patient experience and outcomes and also reduce low value care because really my history is integrated in one place rather than you know, dis through disparate systems that people might not have access to. 
importantly by operating under the FAIR principle, we are democratising this data so that we can enable insights from specialist care to benefit regional populations. It's all very abstract, but really it's about when we in integrate data and use it in a way um, that makes sense to people. My data collected from a metro area could provide insights to other patients in regional areas that informed their care. But what I'm really interested to tell you about is how exactly did we do it? Because it all sounds really fancy and a big project, especially in the middle of a pandemic. It really sounds too good to be true. And sometimes when we look back, we always think it is. True innovation thrives on identifying, reinventing, and reusing the spare parts that um, exist within our ecosystem. Does anyone know what movie those screenshots are taken from? Apollo, yes. Um, really, really great movie. Um, the movie, well, and, and, and the history itself, provides a really great illustration of how the boldest innovation occurs when we creatively use the parts within our existing system. So there's this really famous scene where um, I think it was Slayton, one of the engineers, tosses a pile of gear on the conference table. And it really was duct tape, bags, canister, and other random equipment. He and his team had to figure out very quickly, by the way, how the astronauts on board the lunar module can get home. And there was this famous quote that we have to find a way to make this fit into a hole for this using nothing but just that, so spare parts. The trick, and I think this is a really great illustration of how we set up the program. The trick is that we didn't sit around in some glorious isolation trying to think about big thoughts and big program. Instead, we focus on activity. We identified the need, so genomics, biobank, digitally integrated infrastructure. We worked collaboratively together to arrange the parts that we have into something that is new. And the beauty of that is that because the program is an amalgamation of existing parts within our ecosystem, we can expand dynamically based on need, whatever we need that we had, and there were plenty of them over the last year that we had to bend and flex. What we create opens up a new range of possibilities, um, depending on grant applications and opportunities that we have. So the power of this program is identifying the, the relevant um, bit parts. They're not spare parts because none of those things are spare and they're all very important. Um, and, and we join up these dots to form the foundation of our precision medicine agenda. So, thank you. Some of our key parts are at the strategic layer. So for example, you would see the National Research Infrastructure Roadmap identifying large scale integrated data sets and physical collections and biobank and also our genomics and precision health agenda from the department. So those are the, the strategic layer parts. A lot of that are the physical infrastructure parts. So we have our COVID-19 vaccination program that provides the impetus and the opportunity to actually collect these samples. Um, and we also have a digital infrastructure parts. So our research database, importantly, our clinical and business intelligence platform that enable data to be linked um, to form the um, data repository. 
And what I mentioned is that it's assembled by a networked approach. None of us were kind of in the back office thinking about this by ourselves. We identified the vision and we quickly um, collaborated with our key partners together to talk about this is our broad vision. How do we make it work? What parts do you have? What resources do you have? Let's put it all on the table. And these are the key partners that um, we have together. There are some critical elements that are essential to program success. Um, I think it's, it's not a really pre good presentation unless I give you some lessons learned, right? And I'll be really quick. To build this program, the existing relationships are so critically important. We build a coalition of support, brokering strategic and purposeful new relationships. We didn't get together because we wanted to get together, but we had this shared vision um, and we embark on that together. And we practice strong and distributed leadership. Everyone was able to lead from the seats that they are in. It doesn't matter if you're a project team member or a senior executive. Everyone understood the vision and innovate from their own seat. And, and we proactively encourage people to do that. There's proactive identif identification, acquisition, and retention of key talents. Um, I think um, you know, through COVID, key talents were really difficult to find. So we were very clear about what are the critical core elements that we have, and we make sure that we, we get those people. And it doesn't matter where they are, what organization they're from. And we co-partner with our digital partners from the very inception of the program to make sure the digital infrastructure shares the vision. Um, finally, these are all the co-authors of the abstract. And, and I want to leave you with this quote, because I think it's really about the connection that we forged together, that we were able to build such a big program um, in the middle of a pandemic, no less. Uh, and it's really the quote that it's not the wisdom of the crowd, but the wisdom of someone in the crowd. It's not that the network itself is smart, but the individuals get smarter because we're all connected to the network and we are able to harness each other's intelligence. And I certainly feel a lot smarter working with all these people. Thank you very much. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.